Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to be looking at Jules Holland with his Rhythm and Blues Orchestra. Today's show is a small one in the sense of uh, how many trucks we have. Today is a one truck show. Now Jules Holland, he doesn't need all the gimmicks of the uh, massive lighting rigs. He doesn't need the gimmicks of having LED walls of a load of screens with expensive LED panels. No. What does he have? Well, Jules Holland has a rear projected screen and he's got a basic lighting rig. So enough moving lights to cover the whole stage of washers. And that's about it. He's got a couple of mold phases pointed in towards the audience and there aren't any floor units. He doesn't need them. Sound-wise, he hasn't got line arrays, but he's got flowing speakers. Stage left and stage right, you have six flowing speakers. No, sorry, eight flowing speakers because he doesn't need a line array. So on the floor, he's got four speakers and below those speakers are three subs. And this is mirrored up on stage right as well. So it's a nice little sound rig, nothing too massive, because at the end of the day it's an orchestra and he doesn't need line arrays. That's how he wants it and that's what he gets. Jules Holland always keeps the uh, costs low because he wants to spend the money on the band. And his band are second to none, I can safely say that. His orchestra are really talented musicians. When you take a look at the support acts, you can see why he's decided to do, to do this. Then again, his show in uh, Cardiff is always the same. It's, typically, it's the last show of the year at Cardiff Motor Point Arena. But not this year because of all the uh, reschedules due to, uh, due to the shutdown from Corona. Anyways, I digress. At this point, the stage is near enough all set up and yeah, the loading bay door is shut, the seats are all down, they're all being marked up and they're near enough ready to go, they're just waiting for the musicians to arrive and then prime their strings and whatnot and they'll be ready to sound check. So it's pretty straightforward, nice easy show to set up, as I said it's only one truck and that's basically your lights, your sound, your uh, grand piano and, in- and drum kit and one rear projection screen with a projector behind it and a couple of drapes and that is it nice and simple he doesn't need anything else it's Jules Holland the way how he sees it is uh, his music is all that needs to be uh, concentrated on we'll be back after this if you're a band member or an artist dancer, singer, actor, street performer and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show how about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show so let's take a quick look at a brief history of Jules Holland Jules Miles Holland OBE was born 24th of January in 1958. He is an English pianist, band leader, singer, composer and television presenter. He was an original member of the band Squeeze and has worked with many artists including Jane County, Sting, Eric Clapton, Mark Kopfer, George Harrison, 
David Gilmore, Magazine, The The, Ringo Starr and Bono. From 1982 until 1987, he co-presented the Channel 4 music programme The Tube. Since 1992, he has hosted Later with Jules Holland, a music-based show aired on BBC Two on which his annual show Hootenanny is based. Holland is a published author and appears on television shows besides his own and contributes to radio shows. In 2004, he collaborated with Tom Jones on an album of traditional R&B music. On BBC Radio 2, Holland also regularly hosts the weekly programme Jules Holland, a mix of live and recorded music and general chat, features studio guests along with members of his orchestra. So, Jules Holland was at Cheetahs Hill Grammar School in South East London from which he was actually expelled for damaging a teacher's Triumph Herald. The Triumph Herald is a small two-door car introduced by Standard Triumph of Coventry in 1959 and made through to 1971. The body design was by Italian stylist Giovanni Marcholti and the car was offered in saloon convertible coupe estate and van models. Hmm. It was later marketed as the Triumph Courier. Well, it does look pretty swish, and I can understand why his teacher got upset about his car getting written off. Anyways, so Holland began his career as a session musician. His, f his first DJ session was with Wayne Country and the Electric Chairs in 1976 on their track Fuck Off. Holland was a founding member of the British pop band Squeeze formed in March 1974, in which he played keyboard until 1981. Though its first two albums, Epinonymous, Squeeze and Call for Cats, before pursuing his solo career. Holland began issuing solo records in 1978, his first EP being Boogie Woogie in 78. He continued his solo career through the early 1980s, releasing an album and several singles between 1981 and 1984. He branched out into TV co-presenting the Newcastle-based TV music show The Tube with Paulie Yates. Holland used the phrase be there or be an or be an ungrievy fucker in one early evening TV trailer for the show live across two channels causing him to be suspended from the show for six weeks. He referred to this in his sitcom The Grievy Fellas with Roland Riven. Holland also appeared as a guest host on MTV. In 1983, Holland played an extended piano solo on The The's re-recording of Uncertain Smile for the album Soul Mining. In 1985, Squeeze, which had continued in Holland's absence through to 1982, unexpectedly regrouped, including Holland, as a keyboard player. Holland remained in the band until 1990, at which point he again departed to resume his solo career as a musician and a TV host. In 1987, Holland formed the Jules Holland's Big Band, which consisted of himself, Gilson Lavis from Squeeze. This gradually became the 18-piece Jules Holland's Rhythm and Blues Orchestra. The orchestra includes singers Louise Marshall and Ruby Turner, and his younger brother, singer-songwriter and keyboard player Christopher Holland. Between 1988 and 1990, he performed and co-hosted along with David Sanborn during the two seasons of the music performance programme Sunday Night on, on NBC Late Night Television. Since 1992, he has presented the music programme later with Jules Holland, plus an annual New Year's Eve Hootenanny. In 1996, 
Holland signed a recording contract with Warner Brothers Records and his records are now marketed through Rhino Records. On the 29th of November 2002, Holland was in the assemble of musicians he performed at the concert of George which celebrated the music of George Harrison. In January 2005, Holland and his band performed with Eric Clapton as the headline act of the Tsunami Relief in Cardiff. So let's look at his uh, discography. So in, 19, in 1996, he had Sex and Jazz and Rock and Roll. In 1998, The Best Of. In 2000, Hop the Wag. In 2001, Small, Wo Small World Big Band. In 2002, SWBB Volume 2 for More, More Friends. 2003, Jack O. The Green, SWBB Friends 3. 2004, Tom Jones and Jules Holland. 2005, Swinging the Blues, Dancing the Scar. 2007, Best of Friends. 2011, Finding the Keys, The Best of. 2012, The Golden Age of Song. 2015, Jules and Ruby. 2017, As You See Me Now with Jose Valencio. And 2018, A Lovely Life to Live. And he had a multitude of, of other albums, which were Boogie Woogie in 78, Jules Holland and His Millionaires in 1981, 1984, you had Jules Holland meets Rock a Boogie Billy. 1990, World of His Own. 1991, Full Complement. 1992, Together Again. 1992, The A to Z Geographer's Guide to the Piano. 1994, you had Solo Piano, Live Performances. And in 1995, you had Piano. 1996, Sex, Jazz and Rock and Roll. 1997, Lift the Lid. 1998, The Best Of. 1999, Sunset Over London. 2000, Hop the Wag. 2001, Small World Big Band. 2001, Jules Holland's Big Band Rhythm and Blues. 2002, you had SWBB Volume 2, More Friends. 2003, Jack O. The Green. 2004, Tom Jones and Jules Holland. Now we've had a bit of history of Jules Holland, let's take a look at his supporting artists. The first being Lulu. We'll be back after this. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert. And I run the P-Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. So our first support act is Lulu. Lulu Kennedy Khan, CBE, born Marie MacDonald McLaughlin Laurie on the 3rd of November in 1948. She's a Scottish singer, actress and television personality. Noted for her powerful singing voice, Lulu began her career in the UK before becoming internationally known. Later in her career, she had a major chart hits with To Sir With Love from the 1967 film of the same name which topped the Billboard Hot 100, and with the title song to the 1974 James Bond film The Man With The Golden Gun. In European countries, she was also widely known for the Eurovision Song Contest in 1969, winning entry Boom Bang A Bang, for her, and for her 1964 hit Shout, which she performed with the closing ceremony at the, at the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. When she was 12 or 13, 
she and her manager approached a band called the Bell Rocks, seeking stage experience as a singer. She appeared with them every Saturday night. Alex Thompson, the group's bass player, has reported that even then, her voice was remarkable. She has two brothers and a sister, and her, and her father was a heavy drinker. Age 14, she received the stage name Lily from her future manager, Marion Massey, who commented, Well, all I know is that she is a real Lulu of a kid. In August 2017, Lulu's family history was the subject of an episode of the UK series Who Do You Think You Are? Research showed that her mother had been brought up by another family. The investigation into her genealogy showed that Lulu's maternal grandparents had different religions. The investigation into her genealogy showed that Lulu's maternal grandparents had different religions. Her grandfather Hugh Carnes was a Catholic and her grandmother Helen Kennedy was a Protestant. Carnes had also been a member of the Catholic gang and was found in the research to have been in and out of prison at the time of the birth of Lulu's mother. Kennedy was found to be the daughter of a worthy mistress of the Ladies Orange Lodge 52. The discovery explained why the two families had opposed the union between Kennedy and Carnes. In 1964, under the wing of, of Marion Massey, she was signed to Decca Records when she was off when she was only 15. Her version of the Eilie Brothers shout credited to Lulu and the Lovers and delivered in a in a raucous but mature voice peaked at number seven in the UK chart. Massey guided her career for more than 25 years, for most of which time they were partners in business and Massey's husband Mark produced some of Lulu's recordings. After the success of Shout, Lulu's next charting single was Leave, it, Leave a Little Love in 1965, which returned her to the UK top 10. Her next record, Try to Understand, made the top 40. In 1966, Lulu toured Poland with the Hollies as the first British female singer to appear live behind the Iron Curtain. In the same year she recorded two German language tracks, Vendu Darbist and Sofang S. Anne for the Decca Germany label. All her Decca recordings were made available in 2009 on a two CD set entitled Shout, issued on RPM Records. After two hit singles with The Lovers, Lily embarked on a solo career. After failing to reach the charts in 1966, Lulu le left Decca Records and signed with Columbia to be produced by M Mickey Most. She returned to the UK single chart in April 1967, reaching number 6 with The Boat That I Row, written by Neil Diamond. All seven singles she cut with Mickey Most made the UK singles chart, ending with Boom Bang A Bang, reaching number 2 in 1969. When, Mo when Most died in 2003, Lily was full of praise for him and told the BBC that they had been very close. Lily made her acting debut in 1967 to Sir With Love, a British vehicle for Sydney Portier. Lily both acted in the film and sang the title song, with which she had a major hit on the, in the United States, reaching number one. To Sir With Love became the best-selling single of 1967 in the United States, selling well in excess of 1 million copies. It was awarded a gold disc and was ranked by Billboard magazine as number one song of the year. And in the UK, To Sir With Love was, was released on the B-side of Let's Pretend, a number 11 hit. In the late 1960s, Lily's pop career in the UK thrived and she had several television series of her own. Her first BBC series aired in 1965 on BBC Two, where she co-hosted co-hosted It's in the Crowd with Alan David. 
completing the run as solo host under the rebranded Gazooks in 1966. She made regular appearances on, on BBC One's Starmash after appearing again on, t- on BBC Two in 1967 in a successful TV series that featured music and comedy, three of a kind. Lulu was given her own BBC One television series in 1968, which ran annually until 1975 under various titles including Lulu's Back in Town, Happening for Lulu, It's Lulu and Lulu. The series often featured resident guests including Ardrain Poster, Roger Kitter, Paul Greenwood and Pan's People, along with dance troupes choreographed by Nigel Lithgow and Doggy Squires. The 1972 series was billed as It's Lulu, not to mention Dudley Moore, with Dudley Moore and his trio appearing in each of the 13 shows. Bernie Clifton was her resident guest for the last of the BBC series, and from January to April in 1975. Her BBC series included music and comedy sketches and appearances by star guests. Concurrently with her TV series, Lily also hosted several one-off specials. These included Lily at Burns Restaurant in 1969, a show recorded in Sweden with The Young Generation, 1970s The Young Generation meets meets Lulu, which was also recorded in Sweden, and Bruce Forsyth meets Lulu in 1975. On the 29th of March 1969, she represented the United Kingdom in the Eurovision Song Contest, performing the song Boom Bang A Bang, written by Peter Warren and Alan Morehouse. The song chosen from a selection of six by viewers of her BBC One variety series Happening For Lulu, and on a special show hosted by Michael Aspel, in which she performed all six, one after the other. One song, I Can't Go On, written by Alton John and Bernie Taupin, came last in the postcard vote, but it was later recorded by Cilla Black, Sandy Shaw and Polly Brown, and Alton John himself, as well as by Luli. In Madrid, Luli was accompanied by Sue and Sonny, whilst the orchestra was conducted by Luli's musical director, Johnny Harris. Boom Bang and Bang won, though three other songs from Spain tied with her on 18 votes each. The rules were subsequently altered to prevent such ties in future years, but the result caused Austria, Portugal and Norway, Sweden and Finland not to enter in 1970s contest. Lulu's song came out the best in sales, with German, French, Spanish and Italian versions alongside the original English. Later she told John Peel, I know it's a rotten song, but I won. Who cares? I'd have sung Barbar Black Sheep, Standing on My Head, if, if that's what it took to win. I'm just so glad I didn't finish second like all the other Brits before me. That would have been awful. Despite her dislike, it is her second biggest UK hit to date, reaching number two on the chart in 1969. Lily began 1979 by appearing on BBC's review of the, of the 1960s music scene, Pop Go the 60s, performing Boom Bang a Bang live on BBC One on the 31st of December 1969. She recorded another Jerry Wexler, Tom Dold and Arif Mardin album in the US Melody Fair and scored a US top 30 hit, Oh Me Oh My, I'm a Fool For You Baby. She was the subject of This Is Your Life on 10th of May 1972 when she was surprised by Eamon Andrews. Lily was one of the main artists invited to appear on the BBC's anniversary show 50 Years of Music in 1972. The same year she starred on 
the Christmas pantomime Peter Pan at the Opera House in Manchester and repeated her performance at the London Palladium in 1975 and returned to the same role in a different London-based production from 1987 to 1989. In 1974, she performed the title song for the James Bond, The Man with the Golden Gun. Two slightly different versions of the song were used at the start and end, re respectively. James Bond was mentioned in the end version, released as a single. It is the only Bond film title track not to chart as a single in either the United Kingdom or the United States. The same year she covered David Bowie's songs, The Man Who Sold the World and Watch That Man. On the 31st of December 1976, Lily performed Shout on BBC One's A Jubilee of Music, celebrating British pop music for Queen Elizabeth II's impending Silver Jubilee. In 1977, Lily became interested in Siddha Yoga and married hairdresser John Frieda. They divorced in 1991. They had one son, Jordan Frieda. Lee's chart success waned in, 19, in the 1980s, but she remained in the public eye, acting and hosting a long-running show on London's Capital Radio station. She was associated with Freeman's fashion catalogue during the late 1970s and early 1980s. In August 1979, after a performance in Margate, Kent, she was in a car accident that nearly killed her. Her car collided head-on with another on Brooksend Hill, and she spent a week in hospital recovering. The same year, she recorded for Elton John's label, The Rocket Record Company, and released I Love to Boogie. Notable London stage appearances came in the 1980s in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Song and Dance and the Royal National Theatre's Guys and Dolls. She damaged her vocal cords whilst performing in the Lloyd Webber show, requiring surgery that threatened her singing voice. She co-hosted a revived series of Oh Boy for ITV in the early 1980s. In 1981, she returned to the US charts with I Could Never Miss You More Than I Do. A top 20 hit also reached number 2 on the adult contemporary charts despite stalling at number 62 in the UK. Early the following year she had a more modest US hit with If I Were You which just missed the top 40. It appeared in the video for Ant, for Ant Rap alongside Adam and the Ants and was nominated for a Grammy for Who's Fallen Who with the Lulu album. In 1983 she won Rear of the Year <laughs> and she had a few bits and bobs going on uh, with re-recording some uh, of her older songs in the 80s as well. And in 1985, her first autobiography, Lulu, her autobiography was published. In, nine, in the 1990s, Lulu made the recording comeback single Independence, which reached number 11 in the UK singles chart. This was the title track from the Independence album. All four singles released from this album reached the lower ends of the UK charts, as did two later singles released in 1994. Her second single after Independence was I'm Back For More, a duet with soul singer Bobby Womack. Which, reached, which charted at number 27. The album was not successful, peaking at 67 in the UK albums chart. Also, 1993, the song I Don't Wanna Fight, co-written by Lulu and her brother Billy Laurie and Steve DeBerry, became an international hit for Tina Turner. Later that year, she guested on the cover version of, that, of the Dan Hartman song We Like My Fire with boy band Take That. The single reached number one in the UK singles chart and Lulu appeared as Take That supporting act on their, on their 1994 tour. At this time she also appeared as an unhappy public relations client of Adina Monsoon in two episodes of the BBC television programme Absolutely Fabulous and teamed with French and Saunders many times, including their send-up of the Spice Girls, The Sugar Lumps, for comic relief in 1997, when she took a role of Baby Spice mimicking Emma, Emma Bunton, an album 
provisionally titled Where the Poor Boys Dance was completed in late 1997 and due for release in, ni- in early 1998 but was postponed by the record label Mercury. A single Hurts Me So Bad was released in April 1999 which rose to no higher than number 42 in the UK and later that year the title track from cancelled album re- from the cancelled album reached number 24 with an appearance on Top of the Pops to promote it. In 1999, Lily returned to the BBC to host their Saturday National Lottery game show, Red Alert. The theme song, sung by Lily, was released as a single but only managed the UK Top 75. She also co-wrote and recorded a duet for UK pop singer Kavanagh entitled Heart Like the Sun and was not released commercially until Kavanagh's 2007 Greatest Hits collection. So now we've heard a bit about Lily, I say a bit, a grand amount of uh, information on Lily. Let's get on with our next supporting artist, who happens to be Chris Difford. Our second supporting artist for tonight's show is Chris Difford. Christopher Henry Difford, born 4th November 1954, is an English singer, musician, songwriter and record producer. He is a founding member and songwriter of the British group Squeeze. Born in Greenwich, London, Difford has written lyrics for over 40 years, most notably in partnership with Glyn Tilbrook. The two were primary members in Squeeze and Difford and Tilbrook. According to Difford, he stole 50p from his mother's purse to put a card in a local sweet shop window advertising for a guitarist to join his band, although he did not have one at the time. Tilbrook was the only person who responded to the advert and they met for the first time shortly afterwards. Some of their best known songs are Tempted, Pulling Muscles from the Shell, Black Coffee in Bed, Call for Cats, Up the Junction and Annie Get Your Gun. After the breakup of Squeeze in 1983, Difford continued writing songs for artists such as Jules Holland, Helen Shapiro, Billy Bremner and Elvis Costello. He has also written lyrics for music by Jules Holland, Elton John, Wet Wet Wet, Marty Pello and others. He was involved with Tilbrook and John Turner in the creation of a musical labelled with love, which was created using the songs of Squeeze. The 1983 musical performed in Deptford was short-lived. In 1984, the pair released the album Difford and Tilbrook and had a minor hit in the UK with Love's Crashing Waves, which reached number 57 in the UK charts. In 1985, Squeeze reunited, having hits in the US with Babylon and On, Hourglass and 8537. Difford left the group in 1999, launching a solo career in 2003 with his album I Don't Get Where I Am. Difford was also manager of Brian Ferry and the Stripes. Squeeze reunited again in 2007 and Difford maintains a, con- a concurrent solo career alongside his work with the band. In March 2010, Difford curated songs in the Key of London, an evening of music dedicated to the capital at the Barbican Centre London. In 2017, Chris published his autobiography, Some Fantastic Place, My Life In and Out of Squeeze. His solid discography is I Don't Get Where I Am in 2003, South East Side Story in 2007, The Last Temptation of Chris in 2008, Cashmere If You Can in 2011, Fancy Pants in 2016, Let's Be Comb Adventure, Demonos 1972, done in 2017, Let's Be Comb Adventure in 2017, Chris to the Mill in 2017 and Pants in 2018. Now we've had a little bit of background on all the artists involved tonight. 
Let's get on with the live shows. We'll be back after this. This podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised. It's been 30 years since it came. What? What was that? Yeah, Hold on, guys! And we're back. And today, I have to say, I was well surprised because there was no line, there was no sound check, just a line check for this particular show. So I wasn't aware that the format had slightly changed to my knowledge. So at first, I believed it was going to be Chris Difford and Lulu who are supporting artists, as it was put down on the advertising. But no, they weren't supporting artists. They were going to join. They were there to join Jules Holland on the stage later on. So we ended up having a surprise act to warm up, and that was Cat Eaton. So there's no knowledge about Cat Eaton that I have, although I'm sure that if there's some, if I had some time, I would be able to research it. But I'll have to do that another time, I suppose, on a uh, potential follow-up in the new year. So Cat Eaton. She came out and it was just her and a guitarist just playing acoustically. And it was quite literally an exclusive acoustic set. And the guitar player was highly skilled, I have to say really goddamn skilled. Picking everything, playing the bar chords where needed. And he, he was very, very talented, very talented guitar player. And Cat Eaton, very strong voice. I mean, intimidatingly strong voice. If you put her in a room with Charlotte Church and with Joss Stone, she would be just as powerful as both of those singers. So that is that's very good, I have to say. Very good vocally. You couldn't ask for a better support act. That you know, if you can sing that loud and proud and perfectly and flawlessly with so much power, with just a guitar player in a uh, in a large venue, then uh, you're doing something right. You're definitely doing something right. And her set only lasted 20 minutes, but that was a good 20 minute performance of lovely acoustic songs. And yet again, and Cat Eaton has definitely made my easy listening playlist for uh, social functions, you know, like in the barbecue, or if uh, someone asked me at a family gathering, oh, can you find some good music that everyone can listen to? I'll definitely put Cat Eaton on, definitely. Such a powerful voice and nice and easy to listen to and great background music. I mean, proper great background music that actually gives a nice bit of a punch. And when I say punch, it's more of a case of not only, not only about her powerful vocals, but something as a statement to say, yeah, listen to this. This is a great person that you've never heard before. And... Um, Katie would definitely be a conversation starter at a social gathering because no one knows who she is but she's got such a lovely beautiful and flawless voice. So due to the uh, format change that I was unaware of until it actually happened, Jules Holland came on 15 minutes after the support act had finished so it didn't take that long to strike a guitar, a microphone and to just clear that little downstage portion of the uh, stage 
very quick, very quick to do, uh, very quick for the uh, crew to move on, ready to do the main set. And Jules Holland came on to an enthusiastic crowd, which it was a sold out performance, but unfortunately, unfortunately due to uh, the panicking restrictions and people being too afraid to turn up. Due to the uh, Omicron variant being released into the general population and people being too scared to attend because Jules Holland's clientele are, are older viewers and listeners, he only got 52% attendance out of a sold out venue, which was unfortunate, very unfortunate. But that's how life is at the end of 2021. Um, <laughs> It's just a shame, really, because he came out and played beautifully. You know, if you love your piano playing, Jules Holland was playing like a demon. You know, he was on fire. On fire in a good way, you have to say. Not that you need to um, urinate on him to put him out. But no, he was on fire. And the whole audience that was there completely enjoyed his piano playing, along with his band as well. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful performance, I have to say. And then after 30 minutes, his first guest guest came out, and that was Chris Difford. And he played a few of his popular songs, but and one of which being "Call for Cats," and the audience loved it. I mean, they totally, totally loved it. Not only was Chris Difford on, but Jules Holland was playing piano for all those tracks. Although his, although Difford only lasted for a couple of uh, songs. In fact, it was three songs, but three songs that are played incredibly well, along with Jules Holland and his band. The audience loved it. I mean, they absolutely loved it. They loved how Difford was singing and being on on guitar as well. And when Call for Cats was on. Everyone was singing and dancing to it. It was a seated performance, and yet you've got everyone on their feet just rocking away to it. It was brilliant. Great bit of a great bit of energy from an audience where uh, everyone that attended were not were not afraid to turn up. They were not afraid. They've had their triple jab. Uh, they followed all the rules of wearing the mask and the, and keeping as distant as they can for from everyone else. Only lowering their mask to eat or drink. It, great audience. Great audience that followed every rule that the Welsh government had put in, all these extra rules. They followed it to the T and they totally, totally enjoyed themselves whilst listening and singing and dancing to Chris Difford singing Cool for Cats with Jules Holland and his band. It was amazing to see. It was amazing to see. Moving on, not so lo- not so much longer later, you had Lulu. You had Jules Holland introduced Lulu and she came on with one of the biggest applauses from a half-empty room I've ever heard. You know, they were looking forward to uh, Lulu coming out because she was on the adverts, same with Difford. The audience was totally waiting in anticipation for Lulu to come out. As soon as she was introduced, the whole crowd erupted with cheers and clapping and Lulu came out pelting her songs as perfectly as she always had done. She was singing amazingly. And from the start to finish of Lulu's set, which lasted three songs again, or was it four? I can't quite remember off the top of my head. 
this this part of my podcast is guy is being recorded the following day because it was a busy turnaround i have to say but anyways i i digress lily came out with the attitude of being a, the star that she is because she is a star she always has been a star and she'll always be a star from now until forever she will always have the attitude and stage presence of lulu because she's lulu you couldn't ask for more so she came out strutting her stuff in the way that she would be because she is a goddamn star and she came out did some classics lulu songs and finished her set with shouts and oh my word when she did this song when she did this song everyone and i mean everyone they were on their feet they were singing they were dancing lulu had not lost anything vocally she hasn't lost her yet stage presence and she definitely hasn't lost her vocal ability and singing shout as good as it was from back in the day you can uh, this performance was spot on full of energy she wanted to be there Jules wanted her to be there and the audience sure as hell wanted Lulu to be there and what a rendition of shout that was it left such a electrified audience they were loving it completely loving it and with Lulu's vocal ability she could hit every single note every single note that she used to hit she hit spot on flawlessly perfectly throughout the entire three or four songs that she has done and she hit those high notes effortlessly absolutely effortlessly so as soon as Lulu's set had finished we were hit with another surprise guest so a fourth supporting artist or guest however you want to put it and that was Ruby Turner the Philistine in me does not know who Ruby Turner was or is I just don't know anything about her but god damn she could sing she's got such a powerful voice i mean this voice she wouldn't i i would seriously doubt that she needed a microphone she could in my opinion fill that arena with her vocals unamplified she had that much power in her voice and yet again she sang with absolute soul and reacted with the orchestra in such a way i mean yeah when the sax player for example was doing a solo she was interacting with him bigging him up patting him on the back yes singing alongside that sax player when it warranted it she was such a showman she worked that she worked that band she knew ever she knew how to do absolutely everything for a vocal and visual performance and it wasn't in your face it wasn't over, it wasn't trying hard she just had that natural charisma as a performer to be able to pull that off and the way how i saw it is she had every right to be on that stage and the stage had every right to have her on that stage she she was brilliant and after seeing ruby turner sing that set it made me want to just write her name down to pull it in my uh, book to go and listen to more of her work but, and listen to as much as I can when I had a chance to. Such a vocal experience and I definitely, definitely want to hear more from Ruby Turner. Definitely. And she's definitely gone onto my uh, playlist. 
onto my all occasions playlist for when I'm having social events at home. Definitely, most definitely. I'm going to have to go back uh, backwards in time of this show because the way how it was formatted where Jules, where Jules started the show, then brought each guest out and stayed on. So to get a full look at Jules Holland's actual set himself for the whole show, I have to go back in time a bit. So the stage was set in the classical way with the grand piano stage right. So the piano opens out to the audience even though it was closed, that's just a classical place for the piano. Some people have the piano stage left, when, especially when it's microphoned up, because uh, there's no point in having the piano facing outwards. And sometimes the, uh, the pianist, or the musical director, who is also the pianist in most occasions, he, uh, he, could be, he or she could be stage left, so they've got more control over sections of the band. But no. Jules Holland was done in a classical setup. He had the synth directly behind him and both bass and lead guitar in the in the area behind the piano on a different level. So the stage was on different levels, different rises, different heights. So everyone could be seen. The whole orchestra was seen. And that's the whole point of having it split up onto different rises and whatnot. You had the drum kit dead center stage. Yeah, so everyone could see him and as the drums is the basis for the band so you have people left or right of the drummer and whatever instruments it is it's in certain positions is how the sound engineer will mix it but that, there's more technical aspects to it but we'll go into that at a later date on a separate podcast about band positions etc etc anyways I digress then stage left you have all the uh, brass so trombones and trumpets at different positions on the on the risers, and then you have the horns down below on the main stage level. So the, when I say the horns, you've got the clarinets, you've got the altos, etc., etc. Works really well. A traditional classic setup. Right, so from the start of the show throughout, Jules Holland played with absolute coolness and passion. Not only did his absolute talented piano playing come across as done immensely perfect and full of attitude, but his stage presence was there whilst he was on the piano playing with lots of stage presence in true rock star fashion, even though it's not a rock show, if that makes sense. He owned that piano, that piano owned the stage and the stage was just full of life led by Jules Holland. The lighting design was simple but effective. At the end of the day Jules Holland doesn't go out go for fancy yet lighting, doesn't go for lots of expensive toys because he just wants to keep it basic. He want he'd rather spend the money on the orchestra than the lights. And that's how he wants to do his show. Fair play to him because his instrument, his orchestra are spot on. They are at the top of their game and they've been playing in his orchestra for many, many years. For many years. And they are definitely worth the money. So Jules only has enough lighting to do basic washes because that's the kind of show it is. It's not a massive technical show. You don't need massive LED screens. You don't need visualizations, stage left and stage right on the screens or center stage on the uh, screens. You don't need lasers because at the end of the day, it's Jules Holland. And Jules Holland can 
hold that stage without any gimmicks, that's for sure. The screen at the back of the stage was patched into title slides. Occasionally, on the drop-down uh, cameras, they'll be zoomed into his uh, piano keys whilst he's playing so you can see how he's playing it and what hand, moves, what hand movements he's doing with the style of piano playing he's doing. And it looks great. I mean, it's very entertaining to watch that and watch his expressions as he puts his emotions into playing the piano. You know, he plays at, and you can show how he feels as he plays as well to make the sound make the piano sound more alive such a unique way of playing and very very uh, great i've seen lots of pianists do this i've seen some very talented pianists do this and then i've seen pianists that can play but they don't put much emotion into it and it sounds flat whereas this you know you could hear the you could hear the emotion within the music as he's playing it on the piano Absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And you can see that as well on the screens. Sound-wise, absolute clarity. I mean, absolute clarity. You could hear every unique instrument on its own within everything being played as a whole. All the music, none of the none of the instruments blended in to, uh, together. I mean, every instrument was unique and was uniquely in the mix. Not no instrument drowned out the other. Such a great, talented sound engineer on tonight's show to be able to get that out. Perfect sound mix. You just couldn't ask for a better mix. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And this clarity started with Cat Eaton all the way throughout with with Ruby Turner, with Lulu, and with Chris Difford as well. Absolute clarity. You couldn't ask for a better sound mix. I mean, you really couldn't. It's great to hear stuff like that. It really was. At the end of the show, Ruby Turner finished it. She uh, came back on for the encore and she was there singing loud and proud along with Jules Holland. And how did the audience react? Well, what can I say? They loved it. You couldn't ask for a better outcome, to be honest. For the money that they paid for that ticket, as well as having, as well as the general knowledge that the venue isn't full because of the announcements on uh, the Omicron variant, where it put off a lot of people from turning up. They loved it. They, f the audience filled the uh, air with lots of love, with lots of enjoyment, and uh, having a great time to a musician and his band that they well and truly love. It came across so well. Such an energy from that audience and such an energy from the from every performer on that stage. And now the only problem is, the only problem that I came across for the entire show was the fact that they had a lot of people put off from the Omicron variant. And it's, just, it's such a shame because they all would have loved that show and I doubt they would have got sick if everyone was put, if everyone of that audience because they were old it was predominantly older people watching the show so they would have all been triple wet jabbed they all would have been wearing masks most of the people were wearing masks throughout the entire performance and you could see it in the audience they're all wearing their masks apart from when they was eating or drinking or uh, shouting someone over and they put their mask back on you could see it you could see it all around that they enjoyed it and 
If only everyone else turned up, there'd be even more enjoyment. But unfortunately, that's just how it is. And I won't ever, I won't ever slate anyone that was put off, because yes, this is an illness for older people, and uh, the clientele are older people. But they all, but everyone there, they made up for those people that weren't there with the enjoyment, with the liveliness, with the singing and the dancing. It was so refreshing to see. It really was. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you like this podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out our other podcasts from Master X Media. These are story-based podcasts and you'll find the links for these various podcasts in the description below. Until next time, guys. Bye for now.